With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Double J, Jeff Jarrett, here to tell you a little bit about the nonstop savings happening over here at SaveWithConrad.com. Are high credit card balances holding you down on the card? If you're looking to give a guitar shot to your credit card debt or give your home the push it deserves with some upgrades and remodeling, you need to go to SaveWithConrad.com. That's right, SaveWithConrad.com. Conrad and his team are routinely helping my world listeners save five, six, seven, even $800 a month. Oh, did I mention you get to skip your next two house payments? Take a cue from the last outlaw. Because if anybody knows how to get the bag, it's me. Strut on over to SaveWithConrad.com today and see how much money you can save for free. That's right. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 32416, equal housing lender. SaveWithConrad.com. to be spoken on the extreme life of Matt Hardy presented to you by the ad free shows and podcast heats network. I'm John Alba. And that is the broken one, the woken one, the spoken one himself, Mr. Matt Hardy coming to us once again from the Hardy compound at the current moment that we tape, there are no children around, but who is to say anything can happen in Cameron, North Carolina. What's going on, Matt? Anything can happen. Right now, I can see the children at the window. There was Senior Benjamin, so who knows if they break loose of him or maybe they'll still his taser tase him and they'll run in here <laughs> and bust the show. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I am uh, in lovely Cameron, North Carolina on the fabled and iconic Hardy compound, and I like being here. If it's up to me, I would just stay here all the time. I hope my ass wouldn't leave this joint. But it is what it is, man. We're here. We're doing the extreme life of Matt Hardy. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in as you do so loyally each and every week. And uh, we're having a great time doing this in uh, year number three. Which of the children is most likely to tase Senor Benjamin either accidentally or on purpose? Um, Wolfie would probably do it accidentally. 
Bartholomew would probably do it on purpose. I would agree with that entirely. (laughs) That was my sentiment. How's Senor Benjamin doing? I know so many people love the house hardy. And and we obviously know how Rebecca's doing and how the kids are doing. But how's Senor doing? He's doing well. He's doing good. You know, he just uh, he's a godsend for us because without him, we wouldn't have any sort of uh, normalcy when it comes to life. Like we, we would we would just be with kids all the time. So it's nice that we get a time to escape from the house for an hour or two at a time every so often. And, and he'll take care of the kids and look after him. And they love grandpa too. Like they're all about it. They'll get excited to see him when they know he's coming. So he's doing great, man. He's hanging in there and doing all right. We love hearing it. We love hearing it. Shout out Senor Benjamin for being a critical player in not just the broken universe, but in house Hardy yes. as well. What's going on, man? It's a big week for AEW. We got AEW Revolution coming up this week. We could talk a little bit about that. We got a cool episode today. We are going to be talking about, since you are a living legend yourself, we're going to be looking at some of the other living legends in the industry today. Plus, we got a big announcement at the end of this podcast you do not want to miss as to how we are going to spend the month of March. So stick around for that. But what else is going on, man? It's going to be madness. Uh you know, there's a, there's a, a few things going on um, just uh, here hanging out. Obviously, Jeff's nose, as I said, it was uh, broke, had a couple little breaks in it. And he's getting some uh, tests done on his sinuses to see how his sinuses are doing. You know, it's not a not a fast project. These things move slow. But we're just trying to make sure his health is first and foremost and putting that above everything else. So that's the main thing kind of to update on the status of him. Uh, when, when it comes to me, I am very excited to announce myself, Jeff, and Queen Rebecca. We're all going to be coming to WrestleCon in Philadelphia on WrestleMania weekend. We'll be there the uh, the 5th, 6th, and 7th, signing, meet, meeting, greeting, and deleting. And uh, that Friday night at 4 p.m., Friday evening, I should say, we are going to be having The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, a live stage show. It's going to be at the Russell Khan Hotel. Myself and John, we're going to be talking about the TLC years. And this is going to be an epic show. I'm going to share stories that I've never told before. I'm going to give so much behind the scenes insight on all the TLC matches, everything that we did, the interactions I had with all the different players. And uh, there's going to be a live Q&A. There's going to be some, some surprise guests. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And intentionally, we made this one of the most valuable and 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 worthwhile tickets in all of wrestlemania weekend because it is only 25 dollars to come check out the show it is quite the value for sure and that was done intentionally because i know everybody's spending a ton of money and their budgets are going to be blown after wrestlemania weekend so we want you at the extreme life of matt hardy live because we are doing this cool show and then after that at 9 p.m that evening myself and john we're going to cross the river we're going to head on over to good old new jersey and we are going to the monster factory and myself and john we are, are we're, we're, we're uh, blazing a new trail here we're breaking some new ground we're going to be doing the first live podcast it's going to be a podcast it's going to happen right there which will be recorded for posterity so everyone can hear in the future here the listeners the dedicated and loyal listeners of the extreme life of matt hardy we're going to be more or less doing a, a virtual seminar it is uh, open to people in the industry. If you're a wrestler, if you're a manager, if you're a referee, if you're a promoter, if you're any kind of, uh, if you have any kind of involvement in the wrestling industry, you are invited to this event. And I'm going to answer everyone's questions. I am going to make sure that everyone gets the insight and gets the knowledge that they need from me. I, I've been doing this for 31 years. I'm going on year 32 right now. And I'm going to share all my secrets with everyone that night at the Monster Factory. 
So this is a lot to recap here. As he said, MattHardyLive.com is going to be where you're going to get your tickets for the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy Live. Four o'clock in Philadelphia at the Sheraton Philadelphia downtown. That is the WrestleCon Hotel. If you're a wrestling fan or if you're a wrestler, you want to come by and we'd love to have you there. Uh, or just anyone who wants to hear some great stories about the matches that defined your childhood. TLC 1, TLC 2, TLC 3, and the Triangle Ladder Match. MattHardyLive.com is going to be where you're going to get your tickets for that. That show will be recorded as well. Just $25, as Matt said. Amazing value for a live show of that caliber. And then over on the other side of the river, Paulsboro, New Jersey, we're headed to Monster Factory. In the middle of the ring, the Green Rope Ring, Matt and I will be laying down a seminar podcast for anyone who is involved in the wrestling industry. If you're a Monster Factory member, a student, whatever you may be, you get to come to this for absolutely free. If you are not and you are in the area for WrestleMania weekend and you're someone who's involved in the industry, $15, that's all it is. Again, normally a seminar like this would run you probably close to 100 bucks. Just $15. You can inquire at johnalbasfc at gmail.com or shoot a note to any of the podcast socials, Matt Hardy Pod or my personal socials as well we'll get you on a list for that gonna be a lot of fun really really excited for both of these events i love seeing the extreme life of matt hardy take over wrestlemania weekend i have no doubt that both of these shows are gonna be amazing values for anyone there and we'd love to see you because uh, the shared experience matt that's what wrestlemania week is all about isn't it it absolutely is. It is uh, the showcase of the immortals, uh, and it's very appropriately named. But it is all about creating memories that last a lifetime. And now there are so many events that you can do that at during WrestleMania weekend. And uh, we are going to create some memories, and uh, we want some indelible moments to come upon uh, our, our podcast of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy WrestleMania weekend. Certainly. And I've had a few people ask me, for those who want to attend the show that's at the WrestleCon Hotel at 4 o'clock, uh, yes, you will be able to go to all the other events later that night. You'll be able to go to SmackDown. You'll be able to go to Supercard of Honor, whatever you want to go to that night. Uh, Joey Janelle's Spring Break is that night. We'll be done with that show by 5.30 at the latest. So uh, get in. You'll be able to grab a, a meal after. That's what Matt and I are going to do. We're going to grab a meal after, and then we're going to go to the other side and check things out over in Paulsboro. So $25, MattHardyLive.com, or if you're coming to the Monster Factory show and you're someone in the wrestling industry, SFC at gmail.com. Shoot us that note, and we would love to have you guys there because this is going to be an absolutely wonderful time. And John, I, I dig the symbolism in the uh, green ropes around the graphic of the Monster oh. Factory Extreme Life of Minority podcast. Dude, I'm telling you, you're going to love the Monster Factory. It's so cool. It's such a cool venue. And you're going to, there's a whole backstage gorilla area where there's all this production equipment and just seeing all the little bells and whistles. It's going to get you thinking about your future. I know that. And, and the type of shows that you want. Well, I'm, to I'm already thinking about it. Yeah. Every time I go with the kids into the dome of deletion, I'm already thinking about how we can uh, run tapings out of there. Oh yeah. That's the, that's, that's the home studio, baby. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. Can't wait to see what's going to go down there. Hope you guys can join us. Uh, let's talk Matt about dynamite. Big, big episode headlined by the, Final appearance of Sting on AW Dynamite coming down from the rafters to put an ass whooping on the Young Bucks. What a moment and setting us up for this last match with Sting. I, I I just thought this was so great. And the show long story they told about the Bucks looking for Sting and Darby and then Sting coming down from the rafters old school one last time. It made it, made it feel like it was 1997 again, man. It was awesome. 
Yeah, I, I dug it. It was great. And uh, I wasn't catching the whole show live as we spoke, and I didn't know they had alluded to it, and I wasn't sure if they were going to do that or not. But whenever I tuned in and, and Sting did come down from the, rafter, uh, from the uh, rafters, I thought it was fantastic. And I, I, I like, too, personally, I like the Ric Flair wrinkle, how they did the thing where he had a meeting with the Young Bucks last week, and it seemed like he was going to portray Sting. But there was that little wrinkle in there that they did, and he turned, and the Young Bucks shut him down before Sting ended up showing up. I thought it was done all really well. I liked how there wasn't a ton of physical interaction between Darby Allen and Sting and the Bucks. I liked how there was a lot of just uh, uh, a lot of uh, intent. Oh boy, kids are yelling. Uh, I liked how there was a lot of like tension, a lot of really intense tension between the two teams, and they really built in a good way. And I thought it was a good job of storytelling, and it was a great way to give Sting a huge send-off on Dynamite, especially doing that. Totally memorable. Everyone will remember that moment. That was a good job. And once again, kudos to Tony Khan for nailing the Sting retirement run. It's been really good. They've put him in a uh, an environment to succeed over and over, and Sting has, has, has pulled his weight, and it's been great. And I think this match is going to be a, a fantastic closure to his career Sunday at Revolution. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really excited for that to be the case. I think that they have given him tons of <clears throat> added equity to uh, send things out. He has added equity to the people he's been in the ring with. And it was just, the, the, you could not have gotten, I, I said this jokingly on, on Elon Musk's X, that, uh, man, that ending of Nitro was great. Because <laughs> it certainly felt that way. I said, the only thing that was missing was Tony Schiavone yelling, that they're running out of time and we got to get, we'll keep the tape machines rolling because that's pretty much how every sting beatdown ended from 1996 through 1997. But seeing him get that uh, moment coming down from the rafters, yeah. I mean, that place went nuts for it. And that's using nostalgia in just the right dosage, isn't it? Yes, no doubt about it. I mean, that, that, that's a moment that was beloved by all wrestling fans. And that's when wrestling was at its biggest peak. There are probably casual fans who saw that it stings last dynamite and they want to check that out. And if they caught that very special moment, I mean, that's a moment you're going to remember for a long time to come. And that, that's what AEW needs. I, I love the utilization. I love it when they, they, they nail it with legends like sting. I mean, he's an icon. They nailed it and kudos to them for, for, for nailing it and doing it the right way because those legends are a very uh, important piece of the puzzle because there are people that aren't the diehard, uh, more intelligent wrestling fans that AEW often caters to. They're people that are just casuals, and they know everybody from those Attitude Era years because that's when wrestling was like so big, right? And so many people watched it, it was so popular. And just to utilize those guys in in the best fashion possible uh, is is a win. And I think they 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 got a big win on Dynamite this week. Yeah. Uh, do you have any expectations for the match? I, th I think the match. I think the match will be good. I, I think as long as uh, Sting is healthy and he feels good, which I, I think he's doing pretty well overall. Uh, the Bucks, they're going to bust their ass. You couldn't ask for better dancing partners if you're trying to have a, a good quality match. I think Sting will be classic Sting. Darby Allen's going to work his ass off. And between those three and Sting, I think yes, I think it will be a great match. I think it will exceed expectations. That would be my guess. I like, too, that it's a tornado tag because that opens the possibilities up a little more for how they can lay the match together and add a little more, uh, what's the right word, smoke and mirrors, if you will, to just kind of take it super mm -hmm. over the top. I think that fits all of them really, really well. 
I'm very excited for this match, man. It's been a long time since I've been this excited for a main event. And, uh, you know, regardless of what the outcome is, just the spectacle of it should really be special. I mean, they've, they've put more than 16,000 tickets uh, out on the market here and they've sold. So this is going to be packed house in, in Greensboro. And as you know, Greensboro, I mean, what a classic wrestling venue the Greensboro Coliseum is. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I know. No doubt about it. I, I saw matches there growing up. Uh, one of the first big matches I saw for WWE there was Macho Man versus Ultimate Warrior. That was the main event. That was two of our favorites at that time. So that was a really cool deal. Um, and then being able to wrestle in the Greensboro Coliseum many, many, many times. Uh, it was just what an honor. You know, being able to wrestle there. I finally got to wrestle at Dorton Arena. No major promotion ran Dorton Arena, but it's like where I grew up loving NWA, which is in Raleigh. It was hot as shit during the summer. I will never forget that. But there were so many great memories that I, I took in there in Fedville, North Carolina, is where also I went. But just being able to wrestle in all those venues uh, is so cool because, like, it's where you were as a kid, and it brings back that that feeling of being the kid with that big dream and that, that the, the big aspiration of like being a pro wrestler, being a living, breathing superhero, like these, these people that you idolize in the ring and being able to do it, which is so cool. And something I dig because being here embedded in North Carolina, my whole life, you know, those things are just ingrained in my mind. And they were very special to me being a child, watching these guys wrestle. How do you see the Samoa Joe hangman swerve match playing out? <sighs> I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to say. I think it's time to pull the trigger on Swerve. I mean that that is that is what I would say. Is that what's gonna happen? No, I don't know. That there's no spoilers. I don't know. I am not in the loop. I haven't been around TV. I haven't talked to anybody. I don't want to know. By the way, you know, much like people on the internet want to know everything. Like I don't want to know. I would rather be genuinely surprised. I, uh, I I dug the angle. I liked how the show started. You know uh, how they did the deal where Hangman had the injury. Um, and then ended up attacking Swerve, and they tried to like play it off, you know, as if he was injured and he wasn't going to be able to compete. But then, like, as soon as he saw an opening, he took advantage of it and jumped on him. I would have liked to have seen Hangman get even more aggressive on uh, Shane on uh, on Swerve, and I would have liked to have seen him beat him down and almost there had been a pull apart, and like they would have had to bring security off to separate him, where like he was trying to take him out of the match because they have that level of hatred, I think, in their in their uh, rivalry. And then that way you were like wondering, like, oh, my God, is Swerve going to make it? Or is it just going to be Hangman versus Samoa Joe? And then you still have Swerve show up as the very valiant babyface. So that's exactly the key right there, Swerve being the valiant babyface. Because Hangman for me right now, I know a lot of people are looking at this feud on a very surface level. But I think Hangman is playing an extremely critical role right now in getting Swerve over as one of the top baby faces in the company and it's a slow process it's not happening immediately but we know hangman has some value to use your term that you love to use equity he has as an established character within AEW. so when we see him stepping outside of the normal parameters of what we've become accustomed to in seeing him and where he starts acting more heelish and his whole point is I don't really care who wins the world title. I just have to make sure that Swerve does not after the pain he has caused me there. And, but he's doing that through these jackassery ways. It's a very specific tool being used to get Swerve over as a baby face. And I, I mean, who do you think's walking out? Do, do you have any guesses on who's walking out champion there? I mean, as I said before, I think, you Swerve. think it's Swerve. 
I think it's Swerve. I mean, yeah. I just think it's the right time. I think if they're gonna if they're gonna pull the trigger on Swerve, I think now's the time to do it. See, I think what's gonna happen is that we are on the cusp of Swerve getting there, but Hangman will screw Swerve here one last time, and Joe walks out as champion, leading to one true final blow off match between Swerve and Hangman where Swerve is firmly the babyface and Hangman is firmly the heel and that's where Swerve earns his right to one-on-one -on -one challenge Joe where Swerve is the clear-cut babyface and Joe is the clear-cut heel and that's where Swerve is cemented as champion whenever that happens. That's how I think they might play this, but I totally see a scenario where Swerve walks out champion. I mean that that's that's sensible and logical. I could see that as well, and and I could also see uh, a scenario where it could also uh, roles be reversed as opposed to uh, him screwing Swerve and, and and Joe not winning. Him somehow trying to screw him and somehow like costing him the match. And ended up Swerve wins, and then it drives Hangman nuts, and then you still get that one-on-one yeah. -on -one of like Hangman versus Swerve for the title. For the so title, I could, see, I could see that happening too. For, I don't so know. There, there's there's, the there's, there's a couple ways it could go. One thing I, I I I do just want to point out is like when you have guys that you can tell organically get hot, and the crowd is really behind them, and and they dig them, and 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 it's a special moment. And here you have even a more special moment in Swerve. You know, once again, there has not been a black world heavyweight champion. So that that is a special moment in itself. And this is going to be a huge show. I mean, there's so much interest in the show because of Sting. It's Sting's last match. You're going to have a ton of eyeballs on this. If you want to make Swerve, this is the fucking place to make him. If you want to make Swerve, if you want to try and make him a legitimate guy, this is the place to make him. This is the biggest, the, the most eyeballs are going to be on any show uh, in, in the last few months or whatever. I think this is the time to pull the trigger if you're going to do it. Interesting. And, and that's a fair take. And that's totally plausible because I do think this will do pretty damn good numbers this pay-per-view for AEW. But I think from a storytelling perspective, by having Hangman there, there is something to it where their blow-off match didn't actually have a conclusion. They went to a draw, right? So Swerve has been on this character progression where he's slowly gone from heel to babyface. He's like, if this is the spectrum and this is heel, this is babyface, he's like right here right now. You know, it's like you're almost firmly there. And that's why I think there's still one more true payoff match between them, maybe in a cage or something like that. And that allows Swerve to cement his spot and then go beat Joe one-on-one. -on -one. That's the only reason I see that. And they could do that at double or nothing. You know, I mean, that's a huge opportunity to do that there. You know, that's one of AEW's staple shows. So, um, but yeah, what you just said, I mean, that's a fair point, man. And I totally agree because I think the one thing that AEW has struggled with in the past has been going all the way on someone. Sometimes someone gets really, really hot and it's, never quite put to the point where you're like, okay, that, that person just became the guy. And I think what you said about Swerve is dead on. Cool. Just, he can be that person for sure. Um, any other thoughts about this card, man? Um, you know, we got, got your boy, the under the orange taker uh, defending against Roddy. Uh, we've got Deanna Parazzo and timeless Tony storm. We got, Christian Cage and Daniel Garcia. I'd love to see your boy DG get his moment here. That's the perfect example of riding someone when the time's right. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by that match. I'm intrigued to see what the outcome and the the eventual finito will be. No doubt. Uh, well, one thing that we chatted a little bit earlier, we chatted about a little bit earlier, John, is uh, 
something I would like to talk about on there. Just uh, the the injury, you know, last week how they did the very subtle injury with Hangman. And uh, there was a report by our friend uh, SRS, I, I, I want to say, where he said that he'd talked to people in the back and he just said he's good at his job, whatever. And I feel like Jerry Lynn had quote tweeted it, but like this shouldn't even be out there or whatever it is. Don't, I'm not quoting his words. I don't remember word for word, but just something along those lines. And we just talked about the process of how they still came out this week. Uh, he walked out with a crutch on. I wish he would have had a, a boot on instead of just his cowboy boots. Um, but I would have sold the injury. Uh, hundred percent, just like he was, uh, you know, he was injured. And I think that makes him look like much more of a piece of shit heel too. If he's like trying to like fake an injury just to intentionally, uh, put Swerve in a position where he, uh, you know, he lets his guard down where he can attack him. And I would have loved to seen him attack him and try and beat the dog shit out of him until someone stopped him because their rivalry is so personal and their hatred is so personal. That is what is turning hangman Hill. You know, that is like the, that, that, that is the, the nucleus of this whole story, in, in my opinion. It's his hatred for him and almost now jealousy for him. So if he would have went through that, done that, did whatever, and just you we, – we talked about would you clarify, like, no, he's not injured as part of the story, whatever. See, like, I, I don't agree with any of that. And maybe that's the old school uh, mentality in me as well. I think pro wrestling is – better when you don't know what is literally going on like what what is the actual truth of things i understand if you're a wrestling journalist do your work try and get out there talk to your people that that's what you do that is your job i feel like my job and our job as pro wrestlers if is if we have some sort of secret something we're trying to contain that you don't want to get out there you try and shut the fuck up about it you try and not let people in on on the business you don't let them in on the bit whatever and you leave people on the edge of their chair you you leave them in suspense until they learn the truth like is this guy hurt is this guy not hurt uh is this real is this fake or whatever because one of the big magical things about wrestling in in 2024 that you're wearing now is just that it's not necessarily if people know if it is real or not real. It's just like how well you blur the line to confuse people. And I think that is something that that is not done enough. And I would like to see I would I would like to see that done more, like protected more in the industry. I would like to see secrets when you know something is supposed to be kayfabe, have it be kayfabe as much as possible. And I think it is better for the business in the broad scheme of things. And that's my opinion. Sorry, to, I'll get off my soapbox no, now, but that was fair. Me it's fair. Here's my rebuttal, especially as far as AEW is concerned. You always talk about the smart fans that AEW has, you know, mm -hmm. people who are very tuned in and have a lot of unique curiosity about the industry and how it works. I don't think knowing that someone is not legitimately hurt affects any AEW viewer's enjoyment of what they're watching or their investment. They know what they're seeing is a bit. They know that everything in pro wrestling is scripted television. And that doesn't bother their enjoyment of what they're watching. So knowing that someone who's involved in an injury angle isn't actually hurt... First off, you have to remember, not everyone watching the TV show knows that. Not everyone watching the TV show is a Fightful Select subscriber who got that information, right? So mm -hmm. maybe let's say half of the people watching Dynamite knew that. There's still a good chunk of your audience that didn't know that. But the people that did, I don't think it affected their enjoyment of watching the segment to see where it was going to go. I'm one of them. I knew going in that Hangman wasn't actually hurt, but I was like, okay, this is still an interesting 
uh, angle where I'm invested in the character of Hangman Page, who is hurt, quote, quote, you know, quotations. And I'm curious to see where this is going to go. Speaking for myself, obviously, but I do genuinely believe that most AEW fans and pro wrestling fans as, as a whole in 2024, they're aware what they're watching is not real. So they're willing to suspend their disbelief and still come along for the ride. Otherwise, they wouldn't be watching. I just think the more you can suspend disbelief, uh, I think that can help broaden your audience. I because there might be somebody, there might be someone who does stumble upon that. Like, oh shit, I thought he was hurt. He's not hurt. Oh, okay. Well, I don't really care. I mean, I I, I think the intrigue and the suspense of like what it, what is going to happen. Wrestling is at its best when it's unpredictable and you don't know what's going to happen. And I, I think you, I almost feel like sometimes uh, you're just so deep in the business. You're just like, oh, whatever. But I, I feel like people who like know the business and uh, or, or think they know the business is online. I think sometimes they can see those things and then they be, kind of become, you know, jaded like, oh, shit. They're like trying to work us. They think I'm dumb or they think I mean. In, in the big scheme of things, we want everyone to be, you know, we want everyone to like just let their logic go and, and just be uh, taken into the story and just enjoy it. That is what we want. It's a form of escapism, right? But some people are like, well, no, I'm not going to buy into stuff like that because like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too smart. I know what's going on, brother. And like for me, if I'm going to watch, say, The Avengers, like a big blockbuster or a superhero movie or any kind of movie that I'm invested in, like I, I don't know. What is going to happen? I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to know what's going to happen. I don't want to see any spoilers. I want to watch it with green eyes, so to say, stuff I've never seen before. And I want to be surprised. I want to be entertained. I want to enjoy the ride. I want to get happy when it's time to get happy. I want to get down when it's time to get down. I want to be nervous and on the edge of my seat when I'm on the edge of my seat. And and that's why I don't want to know that stuff. And I feel like in pro wrestling wrestling fans sometimes like want to be in the know too much they want to know everything about backstage they want to know you know the drama they, they want to know like does this guy have heat or is this guy really mad at this guy you know do, do the hardys really hate sammy guevara does matt hardy really hate edge i bet they don't ever speak they hate one another whatever it may be i feel like the more you can buy into that and you're not sure of where the line of reality lies the better the pro wrestling product is and i feel like some of the aw fans who are Smarter fans and Tony Khan and AW, they cater to the smarter fans as well in the way they do things. I mean, they brought in these legends to wrestle Brian Danielson, right? And I'm sure there's a lot of casual fans who are like, you know, who is that? They're just not aware of it. These are diehard wrestling fans who like know every nook and cranny of wrestling. And and I feel like those people sometimes they want to know everything. But the more we can protect the business, the more you can kayfabe what is supposed to be kayfabe, the more entertainment value you ultimately get out of it, especially if you're surprised. You know, when surprises happen in wrestling, it's like a big moment. Like, we didn't tell anybody about us coming back to WrestleMania 33 in 2017. We we didn't say shit about it. We didn't even tell the Bucks until about 30 minutes before our match. And that was just so that they would protect Jeff to the highest of their ability. Um, it's just one of those things. It was like only a handful of people knew it. People speculated about it, but nobody really knew and that paid off so well. You can tell by the reaction of the people in the building because people like just didn't know. I mean, they, you know, they say like, oh, yeah, we figured the Hardys were coming back, this, that, the other thing. But no, that, that wasn't the case. It was like a legitimate surprise. And that reaction screams legitimate surprise. And I think the more legitimate surprises they are, I think if 
this Adam Page thing happened and he subtly hurts his ankle. You know, they don't shoot people when they legitimately get hurt anyway, typically, right? Because it, there might be something grotesque or whatever. And they turn away from Adam Page uh, and, oh, you know, he, he looks like he's going to be hurt. And then these stories come out and they circulate and people just, you know, throw out their opinions on, well, he's got to be hurt or maybe he's not hurt or this, that, the other thing. I would have loved to have seen like nobody really knows anything that he, is he hurt? Is he not hurt? I don't know. He comes out with a big boot. You do it up very legitimately at the very beginning of the night as they did with that promo. And then we still go through the segment and it's, he has done this. He is, he is sunk to this, this depth as a, a terrible piece of shit human being because he hates Swerve so much. And he wants to destroy Shane's Shane Strickland's chance of winning the AW world heavyweight championship. And th that's why he's done that. And I mean, he, he, he hates him that bad. You know, it's almost becoming more than like, I hate you because I can't beat you. I'm almost jealous of you now. So I want to destroy you. And he can destroy his dreams and aspirations at one take. And you have him trying to do that. And then all of a sudden security, they they break it up and they pull him off and there's a pull apart. And you're not sure if, you know, if Swerve is going to be able to wrestle or not. But then you bring him out and he is the the the, the valiant, brave, courageous baby face who's going to come out and, and, and try and fight through pain and, and, and suffering and trying to overcome the odds. And then I think if you have him go out against like two other hills and, you know, he wins the title on a show where Sting is highlighting the show and it's a retirement match. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on it. I think there, there, there's definitely interest in Sting's retirement, no doubt about it. Uh, so it's going to be a big show. And I think that's the perfect showcase to, to, to roll the dice and like take a chance on this guy, see what you get. And he has been getting over organically. People legitimately like him. And also I think if you do that as AW, it, it opens up, a new audience for you as well, because once again, representation, and that does matter. And that's good. And he's a guy who can actually carry the load in that position, in in my opinion. And I think it's worth taking a chance on. I think it's worth rolling the dice and taking a chance on him and, and seeing what he can do. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Okay, lots to pick apart here. First off, we're calling it in the ring, brother. We're, we're switching yeah. the topic up on this show. Because the question now that we're going to cover on this episode of the Extreme Life for the remainder of this episode is, is kayfabe dead? Great. And, I love that. I and, love that. And we can get into that. And I, at the end, I'll still have you uh, give us some Living legend stuff because uh, I want to give flowers whenever we can. But um, a, a lot that you brought up there. And we can go through this piece by piece. We can talk about this, WWE, everything. Sorry, and I'm, I'm ranting about it too because I'm very passionate about this. It's not I ranting. Mean, it, you know, it's not it, ranting. It, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's it fair. It, it, it's a fair, but it is kind of a rant. And I and I do I do I do like to rant on a little bit because it's something I'm very passionate about and something I think would help the pro wrestling business because there are so many people that think they know everything, but they don't really know anything, you know, and, and, and that's just because of uh, they, they read things and, and they think they understand, they think they can comprehend it, but like until you have been in those trenches and in those situations, it's really hard to understand all that. So, go ahead. I'm I sorry get it. I get it. No, no, no. I, believe me, it's totally fine. I, let's let's pick all this apart here. Let's use your Avengers analogy. Okay. Mm -hmm. You said that when you watch an Avengers movie, you want to escape into it, right? And you want to 
imagine that those characters are living a real life reality in front of you. Yes. I drop logic. I drop logic and immerse myself in that universe. Okay. So, you know, when, let's see, what's a good example. You know, when Tom Holland, as Spider-Man gets critically injured against Thanos, that Tom Holland, the actor is not, seriously hurt in real life right sure exactly so that does not hinder your enjoyment of what you're watching because you're well aware that the avengers movie you're watching is not real Mm -hmm. it is a form of scripted entertainment that is taking elements of the reality in which you live and fantasizing it i can't wait to cross-examine you no, that's fine. Go ahead. Cross examine. <laughs> no. You and I agree too much on this podcast. So by all means, you're right, please, you're right. let's so, so so here's what I'm saying. So here's the big difference. Tom Holland is not Spider-Man. Spider-Man is not Tom Holland. They are two sure. different two different entities, but Tom Holland plays Spider-Man, right? Sure. You know, same thing with Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. You know, he, he just played Iron Man, obviously did that. People look at pro wrestlers totally different because whenever you are a wrestler, like you live your life and what you do in the ring is almost seem it almost seems like one in the same. Obviously, it's not. They are different things because some guy could be the nicest guy in the world or they could be a big piece of shit. And then they seem like this ultimate baby face when they're in the ring or they could be, you know, a great guy and they seem like a terrible human being when they're in the ring, maybe like a Christian cage or somebody. But Long story short. Now you're killing the gimmick. Now you're saying Christian's actually a good guy. <laughs> See, people are all confused. See, kayfabe isn't dead. So, 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 what I'm saying is this: pro wrestling too is like guys doing stunts in real time wrestling, and injuries happen all the time. You know, when you're doing a Hollywood movie, guys are protected much more. Do injuries happen? Yes, of course they do. Uh, bad things can happen. Brandon Lee got killed on set by. In, in, in a crazy in a crazy way with a gun, right? So pro wrestling is known for having injuries, and the people who are smarter fans know injuries happen all the time. So that is an advantage for pro wrestling as far as like working those things in the story. And a lot of times in pro wrestling, things happen in people's real life, and then that carries over into the story. So I just think pro wrestling and acting, because they are such different, they're they're done in such different ways, and the characters in acting are always presented as one entity and people, you know, realize Tom Holland plays Spider-Man. They realize, you know, Robert Downey Jr. plays Iron Man. But, you know, whenever they're talking Robert Downey Jr., they're not going to say like, you know, Hey, what was it like whenever, you know, Thanos killed you, you know, Oh my God, I felt so bad for you. I mean, they, they, they get that that is all acting right. In pro wrestling, a lot of times the performer and the human being are looked at as one in the same. And, you know, as they'll ask us, like, oh, my God, like, what was that like? You and Bubba Ray went through those four tables. I mean, yeah, yeah, it hurt. It hurt. It hurt like hell. Fortunately, we both trusted one another and we went crashing through at the same time. So if we would have said at that point that, you know, we sustained both major injuries, I mean, we could have we could have we could have sold that and we could have carried that out for a couple of months. Right. From from that deal. And I think that that's the biggest difference between pro wrestling and acting is because acting, if there's like a take where someone gets hurt bad in the scene that scene probably won't won't be used or if it is used you know it's going to be cut in a certain way or whatever but pro wrestling every scene you see especially nowadays where most 
everything is live. Uh, whenever what happens, it ends up getting kind of worked into the story one way or the other. I just feel like with acting, those characters, the, the person and the character are two different entities in pro wrestling. Usually the person and the character are looked at as one entity by the majority but, of the fans. But that's, that's, that's all. What's the right word to describe that? Like presumptive in a way it's presumptuous because sure there are going to be a lot of people who look at them as one and the same but on the surface they are still pretty much the same thing like Stephen Waltz is the one who's playing hangman adam page you know the, the role of hangman page is played by him and but I let, me ask you, let me let me ask you this john sure. what what do you think when, when someone sees Hangman Adam Page in a mall. How do you think they call out to him? No, I understand that. No, I, understand no, 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 I just, just please answer this. Please, they call him Hangman Page, but that's also because by let me, let me ask you this: If Robert Downey Jr. is out in the mall, what are people going to call him? Matt Hardy, AEW Revolution is one of the hottest tickets in the world right now. More than 16,000 fans are trying to pack into the Greensboro Coliseum to see Sting's last match. And if you're not sure yet if you're going to be making the trip, you don't got to worry because Game Time has got you hooked up with the best last-minute ticket deals out there on the web. You shouldn't have to worry about when you buy your tickets to your next big show, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever it may be, with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Matt, how special can you imagine it being for a wrestling fan to be there in person to see Sting's final bout? Incredibly special and if you do want to be here i'm telling you game time is your best way to do it go to game time they are going to let you know where you're sitting you're going to have a view from the seat you're going to get an all-in-one pricing package and it cannot be beat and believe me you believe you me those tickets are very hard to come by and game time is the best case scenario at this juncture Find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, wrestling, comedy, theater, and so much more. Oh, my. Maybe even with tables, ladders, and chairs. Who's to say? <laughs> with zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big time savings. And the game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code Hardy for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Hardy, H A R D Y, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Some people might say Tony Stark, but yeah, I get your point. I understand your point. <laughs> yeah, I understand okay. your point of what you're saying. But but that's also by how pro wrestling has been treated in the past, how that tradition has simply carried forward into today. Now, I don't disagree with your evaluation of that by any stretch. I totally agree. There's more synergy between the real life person and the wrestler than there is the actor and the role in which they're playing. Mm -hmm. However, it is still in the nitty gritty to, to get granular as your pal, Jeff Jarrett would say, <laughs> it is still a, a similar concept of someone playing a role. Can we agree on that? Like Matt Hardy, Matthew Moore Hardy was playing broken Matt Hardy. Sure, yeah. Matt Matt Hardy plays Matt Hardy. Right. A, a fictionalized version of Matt Hardy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, now, because of the nature of what you're talking about, where there's more blending going on, it allows that mediation to occur where fans may often see the character as the performer and the performer as the character. But that does not change the very fiber and foundation of the fact, and it is a cold, hard fact, that the human being is playing a character in the ring. That 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 is indisputable. Sure. No. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to dispute that. So so to bring my point full circle here, I truly believe that in 2024, and it wasn't always this way, but in 2024, most people, unless you're a little kid, most people who watch pro wrestling, whether it's WWE, AEW, whatever it may be, go in understanding that what they are seeing is a magic trick. And whatever happens in the real world, for the most part, does not affect someone's ability to suspend the disbelief to buy into a good story. Now, if a story sucks, that might be different. But if there's a good story, I think pretty much any wrestling fan is willing to suspend that disbelief to go on that ride because they love the art, just like how you love Dexter and The Walking sure. Dead. I really, truly do believe that. I, uh, I was just going to say, do you think blurring the lines between the real person and the character is beneficial in this day and age, John? Uh, riddle, riddle me this. Sure. I mean, I think if you can successfully pull it off, which it's not always successfully pulled off, Mm -hmm. but if you can successfully do it in a believable way, sure, of course. Look no further than everything that they're trying to do with The Rock right now and Cody. There's a perfect example. Everything they did with MJF when he went away for a while and then came back. It, It can be done, but it also can be done very poorly in which that is where people then disassociate from the story. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I do get that. But I, I do think that's one thing that we do have to our advantage because there can be something that happens in real life and then people automatically associate that into this story that this performer is in. And and I think blending those together works well. And then my point is, with kayfabe, we have the ability to attempt to manufacture events that could happen that could lead to suspense or unpredictability, which I think unpredictability is when pro wrestling is at its very best, when you are not sure what's going to happen, especially if the story is good and it has you hooked. But I think that allows us to also manufacture those situations. And I think that's a, uh, an advantage pro wrestling has over some other forms of entertainment. And I think that is what kayfabe is in this day and age. There's stuff out there that people just understand, hold up. I'm not sure if this is fully real or if this is not real, I'm not sure where, you know, is this fact? Is this fiction? What is going on? I'm not sure, but I'm curious. I want to know. And I think if we can protect that and drag that out for a period of time, I think that can be something that is ad- advantageous to us. I think so that's something that wrestling this, is very unique about. Let me ask you this. What is it that gets people enamored with what they're watching and investing in what they're watching? Is it that they don't know what's to come? Is it 
uh, because they love a character. I mean, genuinely, I would love to hear your yeah. thoughts because I have a very specific thought on this, which kind of feeds into how I feel about this whole situation. But what would you say? I think what gets people invested in a story, in a character, is when you have someone that you care about in some capacity, whether you dislike them or whether you love them whether you know whether you cheer them or whether you boo them if they are on a journey and you're intrigued about this journey and 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 you end up caring enough about this guy because or this guy or this gal whatever it may be this individual considering they're relatable to you in some way some form or fashion if you're relatable to this person and they're on a journey where they have to like overcome these odds or they have to you know get get past these things that seem insurmountable whatever it may be and then you get invested in it because of that and like a strong story arc which needs to be consistent it needs to carry on for a while and it makes you want to see like what is the next chapter can they overcome or can they get through this or is that piece of shit going to get away with it is that piece of shit going to get away with it you know that's that's what gets people into characters that's what gets them invested if you're doing something that people seem to relate to or they're entertained by or they enjoy and it gets to that point where they're on a certain character arc and 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 they're telling a story and then you know you're always like hold up i, I gotta know what's next I got to I got to tune in next week. I got to know what's next. I, I got to know what they're going to do. And and then you start searching them online and you start following them because you're so into that. That is when some someone becomes invested in and that's when they start getting over and the crowd starts getting behind them. And that's what I'm saying right now with with Swerve. I mean, he's at a point where he's really doing that. He's building up a lot of momentum. And I think they got a chance to like really, you know, try and hit a grand slam with this deal and, and like give him a legitimate run. Like if you're going to do it, do it right. So. Everything you just said makes sense. But the why, the foundational why of everything you just said boils down to this for me. Mm -hmm. We immerse ourselves in these stories within the world of kayfabe and professional wrestling because what we're seeing in front of us makes us feel something. A character's action makes us feel something. An outcome of a match makes us feel something. And I'm sorry, I think I think I use that you just relate to this individual. I think that's kind of how I'm saying, you know, that you you feel. But you're right, you're right. I do agree well, with that terminology. Well, but but you don't have to relate even to feel something, right? It can it can stoke some sort of feeling, whatever mm -hmm. that feeling may be. Right. So that is the true secret sauce of storytelling in any form of storytelling, whether it's pro wrestling, whether it's a movie, a TV show, if it's me doing a feature piece for the news, it's making that feeling happen for the consumer and the audience member. If someone, Hangman Page in this case, just for the sake of example, we hear, okay, they... He, he fiend an injury and it's actually fake and it's not real. If everything else that's going on is still making you feel something, why the hell would anyone care about that one detail? Sure. Could you have piggybacked off of that into maybe a, another bullet point in your story to help further it? Sure. But if you are successfully executing this storytelling, 
it's not going to matter to people whether or not they know that the actor playing the role is actually hurt or not. Because they are so invested by how they have felt to this point in the journey that anything that happens on the outside, that's not going to be as significant. That's how I look at that. Okay. I, I, I see that. But I, I also think, and what I want, what I would like to see AEW do is also expand their fan base and, and, and to grow, to, to be bigger, to, to, to continue to become a bigger company, to become a bigger brand and, and whatever else. And I feel like there are casual fans that don't necessarily think the way you think with that. And, and if they, if there is a lack of continuity and stuff, or if they see like they think someone got hurt, but then they see somewhere online, if they're just scrolling through Instagram or what, whatever, maybe, and they see that he didn't get hurt, they're like, oh shit, well, well whatever. I, I just think I get that with your mindset. And, and, and one thing I try really hard to do, John, is like not just be in the bubble of like, I know the business and I understand how things work very intricately, right? And also just try and think about how casual fans you know how they how they view the industry and how 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 can we bring them aboard so that they want to watch and there's this new brand and it has some some big mainstream names in it that have been around for a long time legends and icons and whatnot like how can we hook these okay. people and let me cut you off there though for a second because and please feel free to finish that thought after i say this because i have to interject this i know you're huge on this i know a lot of people on the internet the casual fan what is the casual fan because I could sit here and say, let's apply it to other forms of media. Let's say... What, what is the know, casual what, fan? Well, the, well, the, well, ca the, the casual fan is someone that is in the South, uh, as, as we were uh, just in Kentucky recently, and they go, oh my God, when you did those TLC matches, I can't believe you guys didn't die. You know, that was amazing that you were able to do that, and you were so brave, and you did this, and like, I really want to see you guys win those championships. You guys should be winning. I can't believe you... I mean, you guys got to win the championships one more time. We really want you to win. But they don't think about, like, booking, and they don't think about whatever. They're just very much – they see pro wrestling, and whether they're younger, you know, as a child or people that are older, and there are people that are older that still just, like, they think maybe, you know, some things are predetermined or whatever, but they just still buy into it so much, and right. they, they believe. But that's making my point right now. So you're saying those people got hooked by that stuff because everything that they just saw made them feel something. So that applies to any sort of fan, whether you're a diehard fan or whether you're a casual fan. If something you came across made you feel something and invest that doesn't make them any more of a diehard or less of a diehard fan to the analogy that I just want to that, use that means they, they, they don't know terminology. They, they don't know what a baby face is. They don't, that's you know, fine. They, they don't know what they, but, but that's what I'm saying. That is what a casual fan is. Someone who doesn't know the ins and outs of the business, someone who don't, who doesn't think they know the business. They don't think they can explain why things happen and whatnot. They just love pro wrestling and they, they still consider it a sport. You know, they don't even think about it as entertainment. And that's just what I'm saying is like, if you have those people, and there's times where continuity break and they go, huh, this just doesn't sound right. Whether it's from storytelling or someone seems to get injured, but then they're, they're not injured or what, whatever. Those are casual fans who don't overthink things. You know, one of the reasons I would love, especially during the heyday of our runs, wrestling in the South, because once you go north of the Mason Dixon, people are a lot smarter when it comes to talking about wrestling or when they, they're watching wrestling, you know, Philadelphia, a notoriously hard crowd, they would, be big fans of Hills typically, you know, but if you're a baby face and you're over and they're digging your shit, Philly is all about you. But you know, anytime you'd go to Connecticut, 
New York sometimes can be tricky, whatever. Albany, you know, those towns would be very tough. But if you come back and you wrestle in Alabama, if you wrestle in Georgia, if, if you're in Tennessee, just uh, it's night and day. Because, like, typically there, it was much more laid back, Southern people who just, like, didn't give a shit about the ins and outs of wrestling. They just wanted to see their 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 favorite win, and they wanted to see the person they hated lose. That that's that's how I consider casual fans, and they they are still out there to a degree, no doubt about it. Okay, to a degree. So why would you spend all of your energy then trying to appeal solely to a sector of an audience that is only there to a degree? I'm I'm not trying to expend all your energy to do it. I'm just saying, like, keep continuity with stuff as much as you possibly can. But that's any form of storytelling. Uh, like I a- mean, what 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 I'm saying is, if Adam Page, like, if 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 I would have been booking and Adam was going to do this injury, it would have been me and him that, that knew it, and I would just said like, you come back, just uh, hopefully I'll be okay. Hopefully I'll be okay. Whatever, and don't tell anybody shit. And then yeah. you, you just that that's that's how I would have done it. And then you could come out the next week and then you do the same thing with Swerve and and, and it was like, oh dude, that piece of shit. Like I felt bad for him, you know, because I thought he got hurt or whatever. That that is what kayfabe is nowadays. It's like being able to like contain a secret more than anything else and, and just trying to make things unpredictable and making the audience feel unsure of what they're watching and unsure of statuses. Uh, is it deceptive? The fucking pro wrestling business is deceptive in many well, it's ways. It's all built on a lie. Wrestling's yeah. built on a I lie. I mean, that, that's, but, but that's, that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's the same thing as watching a movie, except it's kind of like this hybrid of like sports entertainment, right? You know, it, it, it has a direction it wants to take you in. And it wants you to sit back and be entertained by it. It wants you to enjoy it because it, you you throw so many elements together. You know, you have like drama, you have, you know, you can have some comedy in it, but then you have like, you know, all, all this tension, like, oh my God, is my guy going to win? Is my guy going to win? The championship's on the line. If he doesn't win, he never gets another title shot in his life, you know, and, and those are the things we do. But obviously we have, we know the direction all this is going in, but the best thing we can do is like not allow anybody else to know until that actually comes out. And then it's like, <gasps> And then people get that reaction at the end, that payoff. That's what you're shooting for. I don't know. I just, to, to, to complete my analogy that I was trying to make, like what's, what's a show that's really popular right now? A- any show, uh, let's say, uh, that just goes to show you how much I watch television right now. Uh, let's say uh, Euphoria, right? That's a big one, right? Is Maybe. That- isn't that, isn't that the uh, Zendaya show that everyone? Well, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I, I have four kids. I don't know. I, I know true. about Paw Patrol. Okay. Peppa Pig. <laughs> okay, here, Paw Patrol. Great one. Okay, Paw Patrol. I am not. This might shock you. I am not a diehard Paw Patrol fan. I have not watched every episode of Paw Patrol. I figured you were yeah. a big Chase guy. I don't even know what you're referring to when you say that. <laughs> but I'm not. Okay. Okay. Why would the, the Paw Patrol writers, the creative team mm-hmm. on Paw Patrol, the booker for Paw Patrol, why would he or she or them be trying to appeal to me to drag me in? Why would they not write their show to the audience that is watching the show and if you're doing it well, people will then join because they have heard this is a great television show worth investing in. 
John, because it's a cartoon, it's not. No, okay, it's but not you can use it for any show. Thirty year old men is written for kids. It's the same concept. They're not going to jump right for you. It's the same concept for you. But no, bro wrestling is different. Bro wrestling is for every audience. I mean, if anything else, AEW, I would probably say they're for an older audience because they do a much more mature thing because they use a lot of blood. There's a lot of violence. So use whatever show you want then i don't care the the wire you know use whatever dexter whatever show you want to say the sopranos you're not writing for someone that's not investing in the program week in and week out to try to get them to watch you're writing the show for the audience that's watching every single week and if what you're doing is good People are going to hear about it and make that time investment on their own to invent to dive into the world that you have created. Does that? I mean, does that? Am I talking crazy here? Like, I mean, I feel like no, I, I I get what you're saying, but I'm just I, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking bigger than that audience because pro wrestling historically is something that has been very popular. It's always done well. I mean, it's got a great track record. You look at how many years it's been on TV. It's been a successful brand of entertainment for a long time, right? So I, I would want to see the best for AEW. I want to see the best for any other company outside of WWE. You know, I would want to see them grow as much as possible. And I think there's a way to grow uh, without just trying to cater towards your most niche audience. That, that I think that's my point at, at the end of the day with this. I, I think you want to round up all, all the people. You know, as, as much as you can to continue to grow, grow the product. I, but growing a product, and this, you know, again goes back to the whole argument just of like, what are you, how much are you showing your hand with your storytelling? It's simply about writing a compelling show to me, and yes. less about that's correct, and less about. We need to write it this way to appeal to this type of audience member. Because if you're doing it that way, then you're dissing the audience member who has become your core, who has become the foundation for your show. And I think the term casual audience or casual viewer it's just a misguided term because I don't think the term casual is what these people are actually referring to when you say the word casual. Nobody truly casually watches a show. If you're going to invest in a show, you're going to invest in a show. Why? If I'm a casual viewer of Friends, that probably means that if I'm doing work, I throw it on in the background. Why would someone on a creative team write for me then? Does that make I mean, sense? Like, I'm not. I'm not saying they write specifically. I, I'm not saying you write for a no, specific and, audience. I'm just talking about protecting things as far as like the kayfabe concept goes. Sure. Like kayfabe is as alive or as dead as we make it, and I, I say we try and make it a point to protect it as much as possible. And protecting it doesn't mean insult your audience. Protecting it means like if there's something they're unsure of, don't fill them in. Don't make them sure of it. Don't let them know. I mean, because that is part of the charm of, of pro wrestling, in in my opinion. Once again, this is IMO, in my opinion. And I, I don't think we're writing for anyone specific. I don't think we're trying to write to insult anyone specific. I just think, like, just because we think, like, okay, there, there are these fans that are, are diehard-based, 
we feel bad about letting them think this guy is hurt. We should smarten him up to the injury or whatever. I, I just, I don't think that's necessary. And I think that's counterproductive at the end of the day. Again, the way I just view it is if someone wants to go out of their way to find out if hangman page is actually hurt or not, they will do it. And it's in all likelihood, not going to affect their general investment of what they're watching. If they care about what they're watching. They're not going to care that case. That's fair. I mean, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Because if it's good writing, it's not going to matter to them because they're invested in what they're watching because what they're watching makes them feel something. And it's funny when I hear this all the time, I hear it from you all the time. I hear it from a bunch of people on Elon Musk's X all the time. Like, oh, well, you know, the AW fans are smarter than the WWE fans in that sense. I think they're, WWE are. fans are some of the they, most. They are, and they're more. They're they're much more difficult too. But I think some of the WWE fans are some of the most passionate and invested fans in the entire space that you're going to see, especially the true lifelong I bleed WWE fan. WWE is the only form of wrestling out there. There's nothing else. That is the only way that wrestling can be done. Those are some of the most in tune people out there. Because they're very aware of what is going on in the space and say, no, what WWE is doing right now is better than what AEW is doing or what TNA is doing or any of that. So I just don't buy that argument of, well, there's this audience and there's this audience. There are certainly characteristics of each audience that you can lean more into in your programming and in your storytelling methods. But I don't think that that means that you need to protect everything at all costs because then those fans are not going to care about what they're watching. Maybe in 1980, Matt, that was the case. But in 2024, I just don't think that's the case. <laughs> oh, that's funny. What? Uh, I, 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 <laughs> what? Just sounds like a line I heard from somebody uh, a while back. Um, somebody in AEW? Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think... I think that there, there is, I think the more you can protect the business, I, I think the more you can people keep people guessing about what is actually going on at the end of the day, they'll like that. And, and they'll feel rewarded if they see a moment that is spectacular and really makes them feel good, as you said. And yes, obviously construct your shows in a way so that you feel things construct your shows in a way so that there's continuity and it makes sense week to week. And and people feel and they care and they're invested. And speaking of that, I just wanted to to uh, to bring this up because you had uh, sent me this in the chat too as we were doing it. You were talking about the number for Dynamite was eight twenty two k, but it did a uh, one hundred thousand bump for the final segment, which was Sting. Which that shows how much people give a shit about Sting and this final match and his retirement. Which that's a very positive sign, I would say, going into this pay per view, uh, which is very very cool. And once again, I will. Credit Tony Khan, give him the ultimate kudos on this. He has nailed the Sting deal. Uh, so kudos to him for doing that. And uh, I, I think it's going to be an, uh, a home run at Revolution. And once again, this shows it's working because 100,000 people bumped up just to watch this last segment with Sting and the Young Bucks. And they knew that was going to be the last segment. And uh, and 100,000 people tuned back in. So that's that's a big deal. Yeah, it's almost it's more than 10% of your audience. Yeah. 20% of your audience. Um, But listen. I am with you, man. I think anytime you can protect the story that you're telling, it's great, right? Like that's 
any form of art and storytelling, if you can protect it and have the viewer dragged along without knowing anything, that that's amazing. However, my ultimate argument here as we wrap this up mm -hmm. is that if those details come out, if some of those secrets are exposed in 2024, I don't think it really affects how wrestling audiences consume the product. I don't think it will hinder their enjoyment of what they're watching. I think, in, in fact, in many cases, it will only increase their interest in what they're watching because then they become even more curious to see if what they've heard on the sheets or whatever is actually going to play out. I think that is a great way to lean into that and create an audience that is super invested. But the ultimate tell is if you are telling great stories that people care about, that is what is going to be the defining characteristic of your pro wrestling program, regardless of what a fan, a smart fan, a casual fan, whatever kind of fan actually knows. Right. You know, so, something I would like to use as an example that I think, uh, which I think kind of like, you know, backs up my point, maybe reinforces some. I, I think the debut of Punk at the end of Survivor Series and, and nobody really knowing if he was going to be there or not. And it was very much a surprise and like shocked the shit out of people, right? Whenever he showed up at the very end, like I think that was a very positive thing for the industry. Do you agree, John? I agree. And I'll also tell you what I think was a very positive thing for the industry as well. Mm, when all the news was out there that CM Punk was coming to AEW and that they were able to sell out 15,000 seats at the United Center by leaning into the fact that there was all this rumbling and news that had broken that it created this moment of anticipation that everyone was ready to see happen. Because, Matt, there's the great juxtaposition of storytelling. Mm -hmm. All that matters is it has to be great. It doesn't matter whether the fans knew about it like they did with AEW or the fans had no clue about it like they did in WWE. It was because of everything that went into it mattered, made sense, and made people feel something. No, I, I agree with that. And and it was. It was it was a phenomenal debut and it was a, it was big business, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, no, no doubt. Both of them were. And guess what? Everyone and their mother knows. That Mercedes Monet is showing up <laughs> at the the big business show in Boston. I think, she, I think she has to now. <laughs> to, to the point that AEW is using her font for Boston. Like everyone knows that she is showing up. Is that going to affect anyone's enjoyment of her being there? No, no, that's a it's a great promotional tool. I mean, the, the whole thing when Punk debuting was as well. It was it was a brilliant promotional tool. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things AEW's done best. So that's a spoiler. That's people. Yeah, I mean, but, but with, with, without saying it outright, uh, it, 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 I mean, you, you, it's it's pretty much suggested without being suggested. But it, but it was done done right, and it, it's a great thing to build anticipation. I, I'm a I'm a I'm also a, I'm a, a plus on those two. Because if we're just adhering to the old days of kayfabe here, we can't let it get out that Mercedes Monet is showing up in Boston. We can't let it get out that CM Punk is showing up in Chicago, and. Not to say there's anything wrong with that, because there's not. It would be a great surprise. But the fact that it did get out is only building more anticipation because they're, they have an audience who cares and wants to feel that anticipation. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, the, 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 
that's that's a solid point. And and it is a great promotional tactic, no doubt. People read spoilers for movies. Not everyone, obviously, but there are people who read spoilers for movies and it doesn't hamper their enjoyment. It only makes them excited to see it. They do, but often too in pro wrestling, if people see spoilers, that, that dumpers are gonna be down too. Typically, if it's live or Sometimes. there's a spoiler. I mean, historically it, it, it is. Can you think of an example of the top where there were uh, spoilers out and the number went up? Yeah, I mean, the entire run of SmackDown is a tape show. <laughs> but but the numbers were the numbers were okay, right? They did I mean, great they numbers, did... SmackDown, to the point where they're like, wow, these numbers are really good. We should go live with it. And there you have it. Well, what about live? Did they increase? I don't think it was that much. of. I mean, they changed nights, so it's not apples to apples in terms of comparing it. Mm. But... I don't think it was like a super marginal difference between it. I mean, live is generally always going to do better, but I don't think it's like sure. this crazy difference between live versus pre-taped. Every show you watch on TV for the most part is pre-taped. You know, it's. Well, I mean, no doubt, but I mean, but also you have no idea. You don't get to read spoilers on, you know, the, you know, the. Sure. The addition of sure. Dexter that's coming up, you know, Dexter, you know, season eight, episode four, or whatever. You don't, sure. <laughs> you don't sure. get to read the spoilers. Sure. You no, know, and the, the, there's going to be people that like read stuff like, oh, this is what happens on Rampage. And they go, ah, nothing I'm really interested in there. You I know? would challenge them to say, well, make Rampage a good enough show that people want to tune in regardless of how they know the income, what the outcome is. Well, there you have it. There's a challenge. That sounds like you just threw down a challenge. Bam. No, I mean, Rampage actually has had a couple weeks in a row where they had some pretty damn good shows. But um, what a coincidence. The Hardys weren't on the shows and Rampage got good all of a sudden. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just needling you. Uh, no, man, that's uh, this is Number, great. The, the numbers weren't generally weren't up as high when we were on it, though. <laughs> <laughs> in the mud, man, in the mud. Nah, this is uh it's all fun. Um, great stuff, man. I love this. I love this. So I, I, again, for me, it's not a matter of kayfabe being dead or not. It's a matter of adjusting your storytelling and telling compelling programs that make people feel something. And regardless of whether they know things, they're still going to tune in because it makes them feel invested. And that's where I truly believe this all sits. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, in, in my opinion, uh, kayfabe to nineteen ninety seven and earlier, that kayfabe is pretty much dead. Yeah, uh, kayfabe from nineteen ninety seven going forward is just more or less uh, situational things that we can possibly manipulate, possibly manufacture, and do things to keep the crowd guessing. And it's one of the unique tools that you can utilize in pro wrestling where they're just not really sure where the lines between reality and fiction lie. And that's one of the, the advantages we have to our, that's one of the tools we have to our advantage. I feel like in, in pro wrestling and, and there's many ways you can utilize that depending on how you promote yourself online, depending how you promote yourself on a TV screen, what, whatever it may be. But there, there are definitely things there you can utilize that can be positive for the industry. What a wonderful conversation this was. Good stuff, man. Indeed. I'm, I'm glad we pivoted here. We'll, we'll pay respect to the living legends in the future because there's no shortage of opportunities to do that. But I did right promise a big announcement here at the end of this show. So here you go, guys. Ready for this? We know, Matt Hardy, that March is the time for madness, right? 
We've mm-hmm. got the NCAA tournament, where it is one of the most viewed uh, sporting events in the world. I mean, it's, it's just some of the most gripping. Tell you could not write pro wrestling stories as compelling and gripping as the NCAA tournament for basketball is. But what if we could manufacture our own tournament? So that's what we're going to do. Matt, are you claim, okay. mm-hmm. as we have a cameo here from someone, <laughs> you claim, Matt Hardy. Hello. You just made a cameo. Thank you. Me? You can't see me. <laughs> we can hear you. Hi, Rebecca. Nobody would even know if you didn't make it awkward. <laughs> no, they heard the door. I don't know. You just burst up in here like you were Marty. Motherfucker, this is my room. <laughs> <laughs> Why to get hot? Does she want to say hi? No. <laughs> uh, um, so you claim to be mm-hmm. the tag team goats, mm-hmm. the Hardy Boys, and you got a good claim to that. Okay, but does everyone feel that way? How no, about they, they don't? I can tell you that right now. <laughs> so how about we find out who is the true? Goat, the greatest of all time of tag team wrestling in a 16 team bracket style tournament. The greatest mm-hmm. of all time tournament. Okay. The goat, right. t- not the tit. We already yeah. had the tit. We know we had the tit already. You guys won the tit. The goat. But can you win the goat? Goat. We're, we're Matt Hardy. We are asking all of our Extreme Life faithful and wrestling fans out there, especially the very knowledgeable ad-free shows fans, the hardcore wrestling fan, we want to know the 16 greatest tag teams of all time. Let us know who you guys think they are. Because next week, Matt Hardy is going to pick the 16 greatest of all time. And we are going to randomize them into individual matchups, eight matchups in a seated tournament. And then you guys are going to vote on them every single week. Matt and I are going to break down each matchup. We're going to talk about the intangibles of each tag team, their run, what made them great, maybe what made them even a little overrated. And by the end of this, the voice of you, the fans, Mm -hmm. with some professional analysis from Matt Hardy, will determine the greatest tag team of all time what do you think about this is it making you a little nervous man sure but i'm here for it uh it, it's it's a little bit of a risk but in that what life is john a risk is. yeah let's do it man let's, let's see what the people think man i'm a i'm a i'm a, a person of the people and i would love to hear it i'd love to hear their feedback and i yeah, think let's, do it. let's give gonna, it a shot matt is gonna get some He's going to get deep in the weeds here of analyzing tag team wrestling. We're going to see what he truly knows about tag team wrestling. Let's see if you actually learned anything over the years. We're going to try. Yeah. We're going to see, see if uh, Michael Hayes taught me anything. <laughs> Maybe the Freebirds will find themselves on that list. It's very possible. Mm. I'm, I'm excited mm. to find out. So the GOAT is going to be going down. Be locked in on our social medias at Matt Hardy Pod, at Matt Hardy Brand, at John Alba, dropping information about that. And next week, we are going to be off to the races, pardon me, and we're going to spend the entire month of March breaking down the madness. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait for it. And Matt, of course, we encourage everyone who listens to the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy to get on board with us. Head on over to advertisewithhardy.com. Get your business 
and promote it to the extreme with AdvertiseWithHardy.com. Get it out in front of thousands of listeners and viewers every single week on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. And of course, don't forget, purchase your tickets now. MattHardyLive.com, the extreme life of Matt Hardy on stage in Philadelphia at WrestleCon. Tickets just $25 for all fans. Matt will be telling stories from the TLC years. I've got a feeling those three teams involved with those very well may find themselves on that greatest of all time tournament list. And then afterwards, we're heading on over to the Monster Factory. $15 for any outside wrestling talent, aside from the Monster Factory members. John Alba, SFC, J-O-N-A-L-B-A-S-F-C at gmail.com is where you can get in on that fun. <sighs> Anything else you want to add, my friend? Yes, indeed. And uh, let me just uh, go ahead and do this, make sure to, to take care of it, because we, we don't want to forget this. It's a very Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We With got that so being said, heated. it's about we that got, time. We got so heated in our conversation. <laughs> so, Matt, send us out with that Matt fact. Matt fact. Matt overindulges when using condiments. <laughs> just not yellow mustard. No, that, that one doesn't get overindulged in, though. It does not. But if it comes to that point where I'm putting some spicy mayo on my poogie bowl or I'm putting uh, some ranch or balsamic on my salad or ginger on my salad, if so be, if it's a good ginger, oh, my God. Barbecue sauce. I, I, I always overindulge. That's my mm. cheat. I don't want candy. I don't want sweets. Uh, give me a little extra, a little extra condiment and I'll be good. Mm. Well, over on wrestling according to alba.com, my Patreon, there was a quite a debate over your burger sushi comments yeah. last week, and people got very invested in that. So if you want to get on that fun, wrestling according to alba.com. Yeah, we got so invested in our yeah. back and forth there. The the mad fact got got pushed to the close, man, but it wouldn't be the first time that the Hardys have had yeah. their time cut. So <laughs> we had to we had to make sure we got it in just before the buzz. You're right, it's good we did that, that we kind of, you know went at it a little bit there. We, we get along too well on here. It's true. Sometimes we got to hit those point counterpoints. That's true. Got to be a little meaner to each other. It's all good. Glad that we got one cameo at the end too from Rebecca. The words have been spoken. This has been the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. We will see you next time. Dang!